This is Valentine's Day, gentlemen and ladies, and we want to celebrate. Now, isn't this amazing to me how the Bible kind of fits when you just go through it and how the Lord will fit pieces together as He so desires. And, and, and today we're going to be talking about love, the ultimate love. Gentlemen, this is a message for us. This is a message to understand what God is doing in and through our lives as husbands and as just men. But really we're talking about how the husband and wife relationship, how the husband and wife relationship just works hand in hand. And, and it's perfect that we would talk about the very ultimate love, and that is the love of Jesus Christ. We're going to examine that today. Last week, I, I made this statement, and I want to... Uh, I do everything, everything I do in my Bible or in my notes is normally by pencil. And, and my favorite part of my pencil is this part. It's the eraser. It's my delete button. And, and last week, I, I, I made a statement that... Uh, and I said that there is no command in, in, in God's word for a woman, uh, a, w- a wife, to love her husband. And, and uh, I, I received uh, some, some mail and really made me feel quite good. In fact, if you would, if you have your Bibles, turn, you know where the book of Ephesians is. Turn to the book of Ephesians and turn to the right as if you're going to the back. You'll go past uh, Philippians, Colossians, and, and, and uh, First and Second Thessalonians and and Timothy, and you'll find Titus. And look at Titus chapter 2, please. I made mention that uh, there's no place in the Bible that it says a woman ought to love her husband. And, and, and so like the Bereans, I, I received notes from you all, which is really great. I love that. I, I, I love the fact that you're sitting on top of things. Now, you mentioned to me a verse that I already knew of, so I misspoke, and I misspoke in this fashion. As you'll note here in, in Titus chapter 2 and verse 4, there is not a command. It is a, an essence of training. And, and this is not, I'm not unaware of this place in Scripture because our, our women's ministry page has Titus 2.4 as a part of its page. It's a part of what a woman wants to do in the life of, of all women. And so as it says in Titus chapter 2, verse 1, it says, for, But as for you, speak the things which are fitting for sound doctrine, Older men to- tells us older guys how we are to be. We're to be temperate and dignified and sensible. We're sound in our faith, in love, in perseverance. And then it speaks to those women who are uh, a little older. It says, older women, likewise, you are to be reverent in your behavior, not malicious gossips, not enslaved to much wine. You teach what is good that you may teach or encourage or train. The word there is to train the younger women to love their husbands. I, I knew that that was there. I, I, I did. And to love your children. And it's not a command. It's a, it's a, it's, well, it's a command to us who are older that we are to be um, the standard bearers, if you would so to say that, within the, the family of God to help train and teach others, younger ones who come after us. And that's the whole essence of our church. We want to pass the baton. We want to give to this church to the next younger generation. And what we want to give to them is to the best of our ability, the doctrines of the Word of God, so that they might know what is the very essence of what the Rock Community Church stands upon as a group of believers. And so I I did know that this verse is there. I misspoke, though. I should have mentioned it because well, I'm glad. I'm very, very happy because 
I received notes that said, you know, it does say for a, a woman to love her husband. And I, I agree with that. I, I, I said, though, there's, there's no place that she is commanded to do so. She is commanded to honor and respect. And, and that's what we're going to talk about in, in this time. But it, you're right, Titus 2.4. And so if uh, you have any problem with that, I want to correct that. I, I don't want to misspeak, not from this place, not from this pulpit. Uh, God forbid that I would ever do that. Well, I don't know where to ask you to turn exactly in your Bibles right now. Perhaps the book of John. Perhaps. We're going to jump around in this message. What I want to do, if I believe the Lord wants me to do this, is I want to speak to us men. This being Valentine's Day, I want to speak to love, but it's not because it's Valentine's Day I want to speak about this. It's because it's, it's biblically sound for us to go over what does it mean for us as husbands to love. We are given a command. If you remember last week, we spoke about how a woman was fashioned, how God fashioned. That was an architectural term. He fashioned a woman and then he brought the woman to Adam. Do you remember after he had fashioned her out of one of his ribs? He had formed, it says in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7, he formed a man. The man he, he formed out of the dirt of the ground and he breathed, God breathed into man, man's nostrils the breath of life and he became a living being. And so he said to the man, it's not good for you to be alone. I, I want to I make for you a helper that is suitable for you, someone who will complete you as a being. And when he did then fashion Eve and brought her to Adam, it said then for this cause, and and we learned last week this cause is marriage. And, and, And God says, I want you, Adam, to leave your mother and your father. Now that does not mean you stop honoring your mom and dad. Ever, never do that. But it's but I want you to leave your mom and your dad so that you would become her husband, so that you would not become the man in her life, but you would become the husband in her life. And therefore, you would love her like Jesus Christ loves the church. And I want you not only to leave your mother and your father, but I want you to cleave to her. I want you to bond to her, love her with all of your heart, your soul, your strength, your being. Allow her to know you are her husband. And so we have been learning that we're to love our wives, not only just to love our wives, but we're to love our wives, as it says in Ephesians chapter 5, in verse 25, we're to love our wives like Jesus Christ loves us, the church. It's a wonderful, wonderful privilege, gentlemen, that we have as, as husbands. What greater What a greater privilege is there on the face of this earth than to love our wives like Christ loves us. But most of us don't even understand what it is to to love like Christ, to understand how does He love and what does it feel like when God, through His Son, Jesus Christ, loves. And so as we saw, God was about to unite Adam and Eve in union, a union that would represent Him and those who followed after him throughout lifetime. The very essence of marriage was given to us in Genesis chapter 2, verses 24 and 25. Leave your mother and your father, cleave to your wife, the two of you shall become one flesh. Both of you were, not, were naked and not ashamed. That's the very essence of, of the marriage ceremony. 
The essence of being naked and not ashamed as we learned that naked in the Hebrew means transparent. And, and not ashamed in Hebrew means to be open, to transparency and openness within the marriage. It's, it's the key to a great marriage is, is being able to communicate with each other. And so the words of marriage reflects upon the promises of God to a couple that was to be established throughout lifetime from every marriage after Adam and Eve to you and me and everyone that gets married this day that we live And so Paul said in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 32 that the mystery, talking about marriage, the mystery is great. Then he says, I'm speaking with reference to Jesus Christ and the church. And so one question that you and I ought to ask, gentlemen, is how does Jesus Christ love? The greatest bond of love that is seen anywhere is the love between God the Son and God the Father. To see the ultimate love, I ask you to turn to John. Look at John chapter 10. Now this is an amazing place in Scripture, just what we are going to look at. Because this statement of love on Valentine's Day of all days, this statement of love is is one of the great like evangelistic tools if these are some verses that i would encourage you to get to know if you'll look up here we're going to look at both both sides we're going to look at john john chapter 10 john chapter 5 and john chapter 8 verses 49 and john chapter 8 verses 28 and 29 you might want to mark these verses down because they are the very essence of what love truly is all about in john chapter 10 Jesus Christ makes a very bold statement concerning Himself. And we're going to see the identity between God the Son and God the Father. When Jesus Christ says to those who are questioning Him, they are asking Him, do us a favor, tell us plainly, who are you? Well, that was a very stupid question of them to ask because he has told them over and over and over again. Let's be, let's be kind with us as mankind. Sometimes we just hear, but we don't listen. And maybe you and I are in that same boat. We need to hear over and over again. What is it that Jesus Christ says to us? Let's pray before we go into this type of a service. This is really, you're gonna, I think you're going to find this wonderfully unique. You're not going to find this anything you haven't heard before, though. But I think you'll find this a great message on loving your wife. Father in heaven, would you please grant us this favor? Would you open up our eyes and our hearts and our minds so that we might behold wonderful things from your law, the Bibles that we hold in our laps. Would you please, dear Father, teach us a wonderful lesson about love. Not only loving each other, loving mankind, but specifically as we're studying right now, Father, how a husband is to really love his wife. 
Move me aside, I beg of you, Father. Allow us to see the very essence of love from the Son to His Father so that we might, we might grasp the wonders of how we might love our wives. I ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Let me tell you up front why I want to drive this point home so strongly to us men. In the weeks to come, we're going to see that the Bible, in fact, we'll see it at the end of this message, we're going to see that the Bible has asked the woman to submit to her own husband. We're going to learn very clearly that that word submit to a woman stings. For any woman to say, no, not me, I'm fine with it, you're going to learn that you're really not fine with it. You're just being probably passive-aggressive. You're, you're really not really sharing what's boiling inside of there. Because this, this submission that you've been asked to do is a, a curse. And a curse is a curse is a curse is a curse. It doesn't go away. In other words, you can't, you can't grow up and finally say, Oh God, forgive me, I'll never do that again. Because a curse is a part of your life. Just as a curse is a part of... Our lives as men will find out what that means. But part of the curse upon a woman's life, gentlemen, is that she doesn't want to submit. If, by the grace of God, you find that your wife is willing to submit to you, I say to you, if she understands what we are going to teach, she is going to be as vulnerable a person as there is on the face of this earth. And there is nothing more wretched than a man who is married to a woman who wants to submit to him and he lords his authority over her. It is terrible. I was reminded last night in my just one of the things I remembered, and then we'll get into the message, was in ministry that I was in before where I first got to know Kenny Hutcherson. Kenny Hutcherson is one of my dear friends. He was a linebacker. He played linebacker in the NFL with the Cowboys and also with the Chargers, I believe. He now has a church up in Seattle. He's strong as a bull, and, he's, and he can back it up. I mean, he's a linebacker. I mean, those guys are... He's a linebacker. You just, that's all enough said normally. We were in ministry with professional athletes, and there we, we had ministry with, with rodeo cowboys. Uh, you know, they rode horses and bulls and all that stuff. And this, this one guy came with his wife to this conference, and he was a bull rider. That's as tough as you could get. They are linebackers in the rodeo business. And he beat his wife. Well, they became friends with Kenny Hutchinson and, 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 and she told Kenny that he beat her. To which Kenny walked up to him and said to, her, said to him, if you ever beat her again, I'm going to beat you until you cry. I'm going to beat you up. Well, this guy was so impressed by Kenny Hutchinson that he, because he was a cowboy, he was, they traveled all over the place. He moved his whole family to Bellevue, to, to Hutch's area to go to church there. And he, he, he churched with him to try to learn as much as he could. He just loved Hutch, as all of us do, who knows Hutch. And, and then he moved away, and he, somehow or another, he went back into his old pattern of lifestyle, and he beat his wife up. 
to which she got on the phone and she called them. They were in, I think, I might be wrong on this. I don't know the whole of the story, but they were, I think, in Oklahoma. And, and Hutch was up in Seattle area. And she called him and she said, he beat me up. And he said, uh, I'll be there in the morning. He, uh, he got on a plane and he flew to Oklahoma and he walked into their home and he knocked on the door and he opened the door and there was a husband and Hutch closed the door and locked it. And he said, you're not going anywhere until I beat you to a pulp. Well, the guy fell on his knees and asked for forgiveness and, and Hutch, of course, forgave him and all of that and, and everything. I'm glad to say that it really, they became a couple, you know, again. There is nothing more wretched in the eyes of anyone that understands marriage than a man would treat his wife improperly in any area, in any way. And so what I'm going to try and teach you guys and myself is what it means to really love. And we're going to take a look at the best example that you'll ever, ever see. And that's these verses in John of Jesus Christ demonstrating to us what it means to be a husband who loves his wife like Jesus Christ loves us, the church. In John chapter 10, if you'll note, the, the religious leaders, whenever it says, it, verse 22 of chapter 10, at that time was the feast of the dedication. It took place in Jerusalem and it was in the winter time, it says in verse 23. And Jesus Christ was walking in the temple of the portico of Solomon and the Jews. Whenever you see verse 24, the Jews wasn't talking about the nation of Israel. It's talking about the religious leaders of their time, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes. They were gathering around Jesus Christ, it says in verse 24, and they were asking him, how long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you're the Christ, will you tell us plainly? Jesus says, I've already told you. You don't believe the works that I do in my Father's name. These bear witness of me, but you don't believe because you're, you're not of my sheep. He says in verse 27, My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they'll follow me. And then he says in verse 28, I give eternal life to them. They will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. And then he says, I and my Father are one. Jesus Christ did everything in the world possible for those of us and them to know who he is. He healed the blind. He healed the lame. He healed people of every kind of sickness, even He even healed lepers. Those were the people that once they got that disease, it wasn't reversible. He raised the dead. He walked on water. He calmed the sea by just his voice. He fed thousands of people with just a parcel of of food. He spoke words that, that they had never heard before, words concerning himself, words concerning eternal life. And so when Jesus Christ says here, I and my Father are one, what He is saying is, I too am God. I am God Almighty. Now, are those my thoughts? We must stop for a moment. Are those denominational bent words? Are those words that just have been passed down, passed down, passed down, and we happen to believe them? 
or are those words of truth? Let's see what was heard by those who were standing there with Jesus Christ. Did they realize what he said? Of course they did. As soon as he said, I and my Father are one, in verse 31 it says, they, the Jews, then took up stones, no, again, again to stone him. And Jesus said to them, for good works, do you stone me? Look what he says in in verse 32. I showed you many good works from the Father. Which one of them are you going to stone me? To which they answered, if you ever wondered what Jesus Christ meant when he said, I and the Father are one, I tell you, those who were standing right there with him understood. For any cult, anybody to, to misunderstand what Jesus Christ says about himself, they have to have a, an agenda. They have to want to miss it. He spoke as plainly as he could to people. And so he asked them, Why are you stoning me? Verse 33, they said to him, watch. For a good work, we do not stone you. But for, watch this now, but for blasphemy. Because you being a man, note, make yourself out to be who? Pardon me? I wanted you to say it out loud. I wanted it to echo throughout this room You, being a man, have just made yourself out to be God Almighty. They they didn't stutter. They knew exactly what they were saying. Make no mistake about it. Jesus Christ is God on this earth when He lived here. And He did the things He did to show us how to live, how to obtain eternal life, and how to love. Now, I said all of that to show you how he loves. Because he said, we are to love our wives like he loves us, the church. In John chapter 10, in verse 30, we see that Jesus Christ identifies himself with the Father. They are one. When you become married, when we become married to our wives... We are no longer two individuals, but we are now what? One in Christ. So we are asked as husbands to leave and to cleave to our wives because we are one. We are to identify with our wives. Secondly, John chapter 5, please, to the left a little bit. A great place in Scripture. In John chapter 5, verses 17 and 18, we see more of the Son's love for the Father. And so we see our love for our own wives. Jesus says in verse 17, My Father is working until now, and I myself am working. Again, watch what happens in verse 18. For this cause, because of what He just said, the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him because he not only was breaking the Sabbath, but now he was also calling God his own father, making himself, note, equal with God. You'll note in verse 17, there is a mutual cooperation. 
in the workload, the sharing of the same goals, the sharing of the same purpose, the sharing of the same dreams. My father is working until now, and I myself am working. There's a moving together towards a common bond in marriage. I ask you a question, gentlemen. How long has it been, if ever, that you and your wife have sat down long enough and planned out the best you can your goals, your dreams, your purpose in life? What are you going to do in a year? What are you going to do in five years? What do you plan to do in ten years from now? Wouldn't it be nice to know that both of you were working towards that same purpose, that same goal? I get tickled sometimes when I do kind of premarital counseling and, and talk to couples who are going to get married, and, I, and I'll ask them some questions, and, and then I'll say to them, how many children do you, want, you expect to have? And he'll say one, she'll say four. Huh? Huh? The, what? Four? I didn't know we were going to have four kids. Well, that might have been something you should have talked about. to have a common bond in where you're going in your marriage. There are some marriages where the wife is going in this direction and the husband's going in that direction, and in that way they're never going to meet. They're going off in two separate ways. My father, Jesus says, is working until now, and I myself am working. Turn now to John chapter 8. It's one of my favorite places about understanding the love of God through His Son, Jesus Christ. In John chapter 8, in verse 49, it says this. Well, just before that, they were, they were arguing. and They, again, the religious leaders, and they were telling Him that, you know, you, you, you are, you're, of, you're, you're of your father, the devil. And He says, no, no, you, you are of your father, the devil. He said in verse 44 of chapter 8, you, you want to do the desires of your fathers. He's a murderer. He doesn't stand for the truth. Whenever he speaks, it's a lie because it's his nature to lie. He says, but I speak to you the truth, but you don't believe me. They say to him in verse 48, you are a Samaritan, you have a demon. And he answers and said in verse 49, no, 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 he says, I do not have a demon. I honor my father. You dishonor me. I honor my father and you dishonor me. We see that the son honors his father. So we as husbands are to honor our wives. Husbands, I cannot tell you this strong enough. I cannot say these words strongly enough. You are to always, always, and always praise and compliment and honor your wife, especially in the company of others. I cannot tell you how, how distressing it is for me to ever hear a conversation of, of men speaking where they, they downgrade, they speak poorly of their wives. It's, it's a despicable thing. You are to honor your wife in all things. Lastly, in John chapter 8, 
Look at verses 28 and 29. Jesus Christ always tried to please his father, telling those who are trying to kill him, when you kill me, he says, what you're going to see is that I'm God. Look at John chapter 8, verse 28. He says, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you're going to know that I am he. And I do nothing on my own initiative. But I speak these things as the Father has taught me. It says in verse 28, 29, I should say, And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone. For I always do the things, note, I always do the things that are pleasing to him. And it's as simple as that, gentlemen. Jesus Christ always tried to please the Father. So we, as husbands, are to always try to please our wives. As a husband, God has given you and me the greatest responsibility in this world, and that is to love and to cherish and to nourish our wives just as we would our own bodies, we are told in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 25 to 33. As Genesis chapter 2, 24 tells us, the responsibility in the marriage is ours. We are to leave our mothers and our fathers, and we are to cleave unto our wives, husbands. It's up to us. And so our primary example in loving is Jesus Christ as we observe His love for His Father. And so we are to love our wives. We are to identify with her. The two of us are now one. John chapter 10. We are to share our goals and our life plans with hers. We are to be working together with her. John chapter 5 verses 17 and 18. And we are to honor our wives, John chapter 8, verse 49. And we are to always try to please her in everything that we do, John chapter 8, verses 28 and 29. Why is this responsibility ours as a husband? That's a, that would be a decent question to ask the Lord. Well, because the Lord God has given to us, the husband, the awesome responsibility Now, would you turn with me back to Ephesians where we started all of this whole process of becoming a family and and a husband and a wife. God has given to the husband the very awesome responsibility to be the head of the home. Ladies, I want you to read this. This is exciting stuff. Read with me Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 through 24. It says in verse 22, Wives... Be subject to your own husbands. I want to stop there for a second. It's not just another man. You don't have to be subject to other men, just to your own husband. Who's your example? As unto the Lord. Verse 23, For the husband is the head of the wife. Sting a little bit. Christ is also the head of the church, He Himself being the Savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their own husbands. Wait, it gets better. In what? In everything. Oh my gosh. Gentlemen, that stings to a woman. For her to say, that doesn't bother me, dear. She's lying through her teeth. And I'm going to prove to you why and how she is. It stings. And for her to be subject to you means that you have a most precious gift there in your hands and, and you are to treat her with loving kindness to identify with her, to be one with her. 
to honor her. To do the things that are pleasing to her. To have the same goals. The same life dreams with one another. Now let's let that sink in, ladies, what we just read. You're to be subject to your husband in everything. Now since we are the head, gentlemen, what does the Word of God tell us? This is one of the most fun places I've ever read in the Bible. Look at Matthew chapter 20, please. We'll close. Well, there's one other verse I'd want you to memorize, but Matthew chapter 20. It's to the left of uh, where we were. We learn from Jesus Christ what true headship is really all about. What it means to serve and to lead. The scene that we see here in, in Matthew chapter 20 is in two of the disciples, their brothers, they're the sons of Zebedee, they're John and James, they come to Jesus Christ. Oh yeah, I forgot to tell. And their mommy comes with them. Yeah. Look at verse 20. Matthew chapter 20, verse 20. The mother of the sons of Zebedee came to Jesus Christ with her sons. She bowed down and she made a request of him. He said to her, what do you wish? She said, command that in your kingdom these two sons of mine may sit, one on your right and one on your left. And Jesus answered and said, you do not know what you are asking for. Are you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink? And they said, sure, yeah, you bet. Give me a break. And he said to them, My cup you shall drink, but to sit at my right and my left, this is not mine to give. It is for those of whom it has been prepared by my Father. Now, in verse 24, the other ten disciples heard this, and, and they became indignant, it says, with the two brothers and their mommy. In verse 25, Jesus Christ called all of them to himself and he started to teach them this lesson about leadership, about being the head. The sole purpose that you and I have as a husband as being the headship over our wives. But get this, husband. Here's what Jesus says about leadership. Jesus called them to himself in verse 25 and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles, the rulers of the Gentiles are non-believers in this case. A non-believer will lord their position over others. Their great men exercise authority over them. Verse 26, It is not so among you. Whoever wishes to become great among you shall become your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life a ransom. To be the head of the family is to be the servant. To be the head of the family is to be your wife's slave, gentlemen. You see, a man, a man, a man in the marriage not a husband, but a man in a marriage, is going to be like verse 25. He will lord and he will exercise his authority over his others. I've even heard guys say, I'm the man in this house. You'll do as I say. Really? 
Is that your place as the head of the house? No, as the head of the house, Jesus Christ says you are her husband and you are in the marriage, gentlemen, to be like Jesus Christ. He is our example and he is the example, as it says in verse 28, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. A husband will serve his wife. He will not be there to be served. Now, in every marriage that I've ever done, two verses come to mind. In fact, I, I shouldn't say this in front of my notes, but I put them to memory. See, most marriages are like this. Most marriages are a problem. I mean, not, not bad enough that, it, that you're ready to divorce one another, but just just kind of nitpicking at one another always seems to be something that is a problem. How do you do it? How do you get away from doing this within your marriage? I'll tell you exactly how. Gentlemen, the ball is in our court. If you find that you are like this, I encourage you with all of my heart to love your wife. This is my expression of love. No matter what she's punching at, you just love her. Just love her. I promise you, by the Word of God, she will sooner or later come to do this. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, it says, Do nothing from selfishness nor empty conceit, but with humility of mind, here's the key, let each of you regard one another as more important than you do your own self. None of this. Not merely looking out for your own interests, but looking out for and caring for the interests of one another. That's a true husband. A true husband is someone who will love his wife and not allow this to happen anymore, but rather be this person. Be the one who comes under and loves to honor her, to identify with her, to be one with her, to please her in everything that you do, to be one with her, to work together, share goals, share plans, honoring, pleasing her. God is going to ask your wife to be submissive to you, gentlemen. That is a difficult thing on a woman's heart. We're going to see. We're going to see. It's a curse. And it troubles her from this day forward. It will always trouble her. Gentlemen, on this Valentine's Day, I would encourage you to love your wife like never before. I would encourage you to put her on a pedestal where she so richly belongs. Let everyone know she is the most important person in your life. Love her like Jesus Christ loves you and me, the church. It is my deepest prayer that we as a body of believers will be a group of husbands that really know how to love our wives. Honor them. Work together with them for a common goal, a common bond. Identify with her and please her in everything that you do for her.
the greatest privilege you'll ever have. I promise you this, if I live long enough to bury you, there'll be a smile on your face in that casket. You'll never be able to outlove your wife. Try. It's a great, great journey. Father in heaven, the greatest, most precious gift you've ever given us as men, apart from our salvation, is our wives if we're married. And Father, you've given us this very wonderful and very precious gift of a woman so that we might express to the world your love towards her as your love is towards us. May we as husbands take that responsibility faithfully and with great privilege. May we just love our wives. Now, Father, I pray that uh, in the weeks to come we'll be able to express to a woman how important it is that she is careful with that love that is given to her and not not hurt or harm it, that she would be a woman that accepts that love fully and appreciates the man, I should say the husband that she is married to. Now bless us as we go from here this Valentine's Day, the day of day for loves. Uh, May we love one another deeply, each of us. In Jesus' precious name, amen. I love you all so much. Uh, Thank you so much for being here. I look forward to seeing you next week.